Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! What's up, good people? Welcome to the Lightning Round Podcast. Uh, we're here a little later than scheduled, but that's all okay. We've been um, uploading some clips, and we've got a lot of them, so this is going to be a fun little film study type breakdown. And uh, bear with us because we got a lot of clips that we're going to go through. So uh, we'll probably, Jamie and I will be communicating on how we're going to get all those up and out. But uh, for now, welcome. It's week four upon us. We're here to preview the Houston Texans who haven't won a game yet. They tied their first game against the Colts, lost their last two, uh, including the Broncos and the Bears. And what we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we are going to be doing... Uh, defense and offense, and we're going to break it up. I'm going to cover the Houston Texans defense. Jamie's going to cover the Houston Texans offense. And so we're doing it separately. Uh, we each brought our own homework and some clips and some things to talk about. I'm going to probably go through mine a little fast, and I know Jamie's got a lot to get to, so uh, we'll let him get to his too. So thank you all. Um, hi, Brian. Hi, my guys. Good to see you. Hi, all. Never get to watch live. Yes, finally. You're here. Appreciate it. And let's talk about this. Um, Jamari Salier. 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 
playing left tackle this Sunday instead of Storm Norton to replace uh, Rashawn Slater. That is uh, welcome news, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, uh, any more of Storm Norton on the left tackle might actually kill me. So, and and Herbert, for that matter. <laughs> so, um, seeing them properly evaluate Norton and get him out of the lineup and give Salier, who played left tackle at a high level in college, an opportunity to replace somebody who they know can't perform instead of just throwing the veteran out there because he's a veteran and he has quote unquote starting experience um, is encouraging because it means that they're, they're evaluating their own players better and they're not just going to say, Oh, we trust him because he's a veteran and throw him out there, which is what they've done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. They really evaluated their talent. No, I mean, I, part of me is like, and, and you tweeted about it today, and I had the same kind of thought. Like, didn't we get a whole season resume from Storm Norton? Why do we need to see three games? But, you know, there was talk of improvement, and I think they wanted to see what they could get out of him and if he's improved and if he's better than he was last year in the little spurts that he was able to start this year, and clearly that is not the case. So um, a quick hook for Storm Norton, which I absolutely love. Uh, we, are, we were both actually wrong here, Jamie. You thought they were going to swap um Norton and uh Pipkins, Pipkins and have Pipkins a left tackle and Norton a right tackle and I thought they were going to put Storm Norton at left tackle and Pipkins at right tackle uh because they didn't want to make two moves but really they ended up making a totally separate move one of which we would have done uh, I think we had thrown out the Matt Filer uh scenario but of course he's not moving from right guard then he's not going to move out to right tackle so he's staying at right guard and they're just making one move and that's left guard, excuse me, uh, they're going to make one move, and that's to put uh, Jamari Salier, who was pretty impressive during uh, preseason, at left tackle. And Staley said that this is a position that he's earned. So obviously uh, the coaching staff has loved what they see from him, and they're ready to put him out there. Get his yeah. first start. Yeah, for all the talk that we've heard about you know, competitions not really being competitions and uh, playing favorites and favoring the veterans and all of that stuff, um, they made a move that nobody really saw coming. I think a lot of people were asking for it, um, but didn't really fully expect it to happen. So give them credit for having the fortitude, the intestinal fortitude to to make that move, um, not knowing how Salier is going to play at left tackle. Uh, I assume they've at least worked him at left tackle at times in, in practice. Otherwise, they wouldn't have thrown him out there. But we have not seen him at left tackle in the NFL. So... Hard to say what to really expect from him. I know, you know, there are clips of him all over Twitter right now, um, mauling uh, Hutchinson, uh, Hutchinson mm -hmm. and just owning him um, in the Orange Bowl last year. He has played pretty much, he being Salier, has played pretty much every position on the offensive line um, through his career at, at Georgia. Played a very good left tackle last year, and so I think it makes sense to at least give him a shot, being that the other spots on the line are currently spoken for. So yeah. why not get the rookie out there and see how he does? I'm sure there will be lots of help. Um, sounds like there's at least a chance that uh, Donald Parham will be on, will be at this week for the first time since God, it feels like last season. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm sure that they'll give him help with McKitty and Parham and Everett and chip with the backs and do everything they can to simplify things for him. Um, but It'll be good to see Salier get out there and, and get a crack at it and see how he does. And this, I, I didn't watch the defense, but I have a feeling this is probably a favorable matchup 
to, to experiment <laughs> like this with. Yeah, uh, yes, I, it's definitely uh, when you look at the schedule and how it's going to get kind of rough here towards the end of the season. Uh, this is a good time to unload sailor and see what you have with him on this Houston defense. Are you? How are you feeling about uh, the line this week? Spike DWK wants to know. How how confident are you? I'm I'm more confident with Sal. You're playing left tackle, even though I've never seen him play in the NFL, than I do with Storm Norton because I just I don't think he's a viable NFL tackle. Uh, probably not even a swing tackle at this point. Uh, so I'm I'm more confident. Uh, it's hard to say because we haven't seen Sal. You play left tackle in the NFL. Yeah, um, <clears throat> much more confident than I would have been with Norton out there for sure. Um, no faith in Norton whatsoever. I in my opinion. In my not-so-humble opinion, he does not belong on an NFL field. Um, I don't think he really ever did. Uh, they gave him his chance. He dropped the ball repeatedly, and now here we are. So mm-hmm. I, I think you know you have to be more comfortable with Salyer out there um, than Norton. I Like I said, I'm sure they're going to help him as much as they can. Um, I'm, he'll probably be lining up against Jerry Hughes more often than not um, this week, and Hughes is – 80 years old, but he's still productive. (laughs) 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 Um, And I guess, you know, kind of remains to be seen more confident, but still lots of questions. You know, you still got clap out there. You still got Pipkins out there. um, Still have Zion out there having some ups and downs. So, um, you know, still, still some questions that, that remain to be answered. Yeah. All right, well, let's uh, let's get right into it. I'm going to start with defense. Jamie's going to go on to offense. And um, first off, again, this team is a winless team. They're 0-2-1, which is always ugly with that crooked tie they had against the Colts week one. But uh, the Texans allow 202 rushing yards per game. That is an absolute NFL worst. Uh, the leading rushers throughout the three weeks have had 161, 75, 157, and combined for three uh, touchdowns. I was just going to get rid of this question real quick um they give up the third most yards of any team in the nfl and teams have run the second most plays on the texans defense meaning this texans defense uh have been on the field a lot and um i know the chargers felt like they were on the field a lot last week uh texans one of the teams that's been on the field the most so just starting with the interior defensive line uh this quite honestly i i know that i think we were maybe a little bit harsh on the Jaguars uh, assessment only because we didn't really know what kind of team they were yet. It was only two games. They played some two bad teams and they looked not so good against the commanders. They looked really, really good against the Colts who didn't look very good up to that point. So it was hard to really tell, but after three games, I think it's uh, pretty clear that this Texans defense has a lot of holes in it. And it starts up front. They've got Malik Collins, who is their best interior guy. But quite honestly, he's more suited to be kind of a role player than the guy to man the middle. But right now, he's in the middle. Uh, They rotate a bunch of dudes. Roy Lopez, who is uh, graded out, uh, if you take any stock in PFF grades, uh, one of the worst defensive tackles in the league. They've got rookie Thomas Booker, who Jamie and I had... Uh, watched during this draft process, and then Michael Dwumfor. But all these guys get pushed around uh, a lot. And so uh, just speaking about this run game, 
I wanted to uh, run a play here for you guys, and it's actually consecutive plays. It's going to be five consecutive plays here from the Texans defense and this run defense. And we talked about how bad uh, this run defense is. This is going to be a, a showcase of just how that is. Uh, they're playing the Colts. This is week one against Jonathan Taylor. Uh, there's going to be some themes here in these. And this is, I didn't edit this. This is the five plays back to back to back to back to back. So here's here goes the Colts here. We got a shotgun run right over the left guard. That's going to be nine yards for Jonathan Taylor. The very next play, a 13-yard run. It's going to be over the right guard, right up the middle. You're seeing lots and lots of big gaps. Here, we got a shotgun run again. Uh, they do pretty well to man the middle, but then the seize part, here comes an extra block. Jonathan Taylor up the middle, 13 yards. Then they gave them a little bit different look, and they went under gun. They didn't go shotgun. They went under center, and... Here's Taylor with the handoff, makes one guy miss, a bad tackling group, and he's able to get 14 yards. And then what the Colts did beautifully here is they just ran it down their throat. They ran it down their throat four times in a row. Now you're going to see the Texans defense send both linebackers and a corner to make sure we got all the bodies up front to stop the run. Well, Colts run play action. They've got Michael Pittman over there on an island. Makes one guy miss, second guy, dive in, touchdown. That's the type of defense we're looking at right now. A wholly big holes to run through. There, You can poke uh, through them constantly. You can run at them. Uh, they're obviously the worst run defense in the league, and uh, it shows in that clip. They can just run it down. They can run it down your throat, and the Chargers haven't been very successful. So if there's any a time for them to get off the schneid here, it's against this Texans group who just can't stop the run. And you can obviously uh, pepper them with some play action as well, as you saw there from the Colts. So on the edge, uh, Jamie mentioned, aforementioned Jerry Hughes. He's been a really big addition for this uh, Houston defense. I was thinking, oh, man, they got a aged veteran who's not going to be very good. But he's got four sacks this year. He had two against Chicago. Uh, he's currently second in the league in sacks. Hughes is an edge rusher that can really kind of add up sacks late in games. Um, he's He was kind of a guy that was wearing down offenses, and uh, he's done a really good job of getting to the quarterback. Uh, they also have on the other side Jonathan Greenyard and Rasheem Green. Uh, both of them kind of just rotational edge pieces right now, but um, it seems like Green's kind of turned the corner, a guy that I, I'm uh, having. Uh, that I, I I like a lot <laughs> over there. So um, even though they've got some like no names and an aging veteran on the edge, they've done a pretty good job of getting to the quarterback. And this is a very blitz heavy defense. The Texans defense pressured Justin Fields 47% of his pass attempts last week. That's almost three times league average of pressures last week. And it was best in the NFL. This is an aggressive, very, very aggressive blitz heavy defense. Um, but where you can attack this defense is on the edge. I'm just going to show uh, two quick clips here. Uh, this is being able to beat them on the edge. They're very aggressive. Uh, they want to, they bite on a lot of stuff. Here is week two pitch on the outside, turn a corner Broncos do a hat on a hat, easy, big gainer. These out, these outside runs really cut through this uh, Texans defense. And this is a play. I think that the chargers are probably going to be running on Sunday. I'd put money on it. If I were betting man, here's a jet sweep here with St. Brown for the Bears. Huge gain. Turned around. Look at 55. He's looking the wrong way. This is my favorite part of the play. Of 55. Here we go. Look at, still looking at the quarterback. 
as they're hitting the edge. Where and he's off down the sideline. Huge gain. So definitely a uh, point of attack here is on the edge. We saw it was up the middle. This run game isn't very good on either side, but um, that is definitely a part where they're going to be uh, able to attack on Sunday. The Chargers will. So uh, linebacker group, uh, they are one of the worst tackling groups in the NFL. Uh, their defense leads the league in missed tackles. Uh, it's Christian Kirksey, who's 30. He's a vet. Uh, Kremu Gruger Hill is the other one. He's always seems to be kind of in the area and around ball carriers, but he's a very inconsistent tackler. Uh, neither guy is very good in coverage. What I want to, what the, the exciting part as a guy who had to watch this defense is the DBs. <laughs> this Texans DBs is uh, very good. Uh, and they're starting to t- uh, gel a little bit and they're taking the ball away. They've had an interception every game thus far. Uh, like the Jags, it's hard to tell how good they are. They played Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, and Justin Fields to start the year. So not a good uh, quarterback group, but they took advantage of it. They looked pretty good through three games. And uh, this is a group that also doesn't tackle well. They are they have missed 17 tackles out of 17, 71 opportunities, which is worst in the NFL. So um, by definition, this is the worst tackling group uh, in the NFL, the worst run defense in the NFL, uh, but they do pretty good on the back end with their DBs. Their pass defense has held QB completions to 55%. That's second in the NFL, so they've done really good. They've been pretty uh, stingy in that regard. It starts with Steven Nelson, who uh, has really been their best corner this year. He's really excelled in the zone scheme that Levy Smith has run. QBs are completing 50% of passes when they throw at Nelson. And then the rookie, Derek Stingley Jr., has struggled at times, but is really starting to flash now. Uh, He's got three pass breakups. They used him as a blitzer. He got a sack this weekend, this past weekend, and there's been a lot more good than bad from Stingley. QBs are completing 44% of their passes when targeting Stingley. So it's not like a group that you have a lockdown corner, but a group that can get some hands on footballs and a a couple of guys that are pretty aggressive in coverage. The other one is a guy we all know, and that's Desmond King. But um, under zone, they run a lot of zone, and this this is a route that I saw a lot of in the first three weeks. I, I just pulled one. It was the sl- this is a sluggo here from Cortland Sutton. He's going to be at the top of the screen. Um, this is what they do. They kind of drop back in coverage, and there's a lot of holes in the defense. And if you can run up and out like Cortland Sutton does, I'll start it over just so you can see it again here. The top of the screen, he was at the 30. Breaks towards the sideline, breaks back upfield. Soft coverage, easy sluggo, big gain uh, from Cortland Sutton. And that's kind of what a lot of teams have done. They've just been kind of being able to pick apart those empty zones. And uh, and that sluggo route's been used a lot against the Texans. So I, I imagine there's going to be some of that on Sunday as well. And uh, somebody mentioned it here, Haas44. Our guy, Jalen Petrie, well, at least mine, I absolutely love Jalen Petrie. Uh, strong safety, absolutely love this kid, and I just want to show some clips of what he did on Sunday. First of all, Justin Fields. This, by the way, I, I, he got a pick here, but I just want to break down this play for a second. The two wide receivers on the top of the screen are going to split. Uh, of course, I don't know why uh Game pass wasn't giving me the end zone view on this, but either way, uh, top top wide receivers split. One takes the sideline, the other splits towards the middle of the field, makes the safety make a choice, and Petrie picked right. If he would, if uh, Fields goes sideline, that's probably six. But Petrie's just reading Fields' eyes, who's staring down his receiver up the seam, able to hit him. He 
kind of an errant pass there. Here's another one where Petrie just plays center field, overthrows wide receiver, boom, there's his third one. And then here's where they like to get kind of aggressive with their DBs. They've done it with Stingley. Here's where they're going to do it with uh, Petrie. He's going to blitz off the uh, off the edge here. Easy sack on Justin Fields. He rolls out right into him. But this kid is for real. He's my favorite player on this defense, and I think probably the best player on this defense. Uh, he's really uh, making the most of his opportunities and um, really, really a fan of him coming out of college, and I'm glad he's uh, succeeding with a team that isn't doing very good, but still, he's playing well. Uh, the other one, uh, the other safety is Jonathan Owens. Uh, he's their team's best tackler. He's been kind of like the cleanup crew or almost like the garbage man on defense. Once they run through the defensive line and they can't tackle, him and then they run by the linebackers who won't tackle him it's Owens who's got to make a a tackle five to seven yards downfield and he's always there to clean up he's their best tackler and in fact he's led the league the last two weeks in tackles he collects a lot of tackles in bunches it's normally downfield because everybody else is missing a lot of tackles but um uh both Owens Petrie and a lot of these corners are pretty good and so it's not going to be easy sledding but man, with as bad as they tackle and as bad as that run game is, you got to think this is the way they. This is the game they could kind of bounce back. The te- uh, where they really uh, ex- uh, excel, excuse me, the uh, Texans do is in the red zone. Uh, the D- Texans defense is allowed a completion percentage of just. 36% in the red zone this season, which is third best in the NFL. It seems like you get a, get in a lot of area and you can pick them apart, kind of like that sluggo route I showed earlier with Cortland Sutton. Uh, you can find spots. Once you start to pack things in in that 20, they start to clamp down a little bit better. So the Chargers are going to have to obviously get some points here and punch in some touchdowns with a pretty, pretty good red zone defense. So uh, this is where the Chargers got to right the ship here. And the, it's going to start with the run game. Uh, a lot of outside runs. We're, you're going to see some... Uh, uh, zone heavy, and it's going to be a little bit of a, a challenge for uh, Jamari Salier because it seems like Jerry Hughes still has a little bit of gas. We're at the beginning of the season, so he, even though he's 50 years old, as Jamie said earlier, um, he's still got a little bit of that old man energy uh, to start the year, and he's been pretty successful so far. He's second league in sacks, and he's going to be going against Salier, so that's going to be a really, really big matchup this weekend, and that is your Texans defense. Jamie, if there's anything else you want to follow up with, we can just go ahead and move on to offense when you're ready. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the offense. Um, so... First of all, it was not fun watching the Texans offense. Uh, <laughs> pretty boring. Um, yeah. They are kind of traditional and vanilla um, and pretty stagnant. Not a whole lot of motion, uh, not a whole lot of shifting. Um, they're not 
they're creative with their their personnel groupings and their formations in that they use a lot more three tight end sets um, than what you would normally see in today's NFL. A lot of two, a lot of three tight end sets. You'll even see some 21 and 22 um, personnel groupings. Um, their goal really is to create a lot of chaos in a confined area, and they want to run the ball down your throat first and foremost. The offense is built to um, to be a downhill running attack. Uh, they want to be methodical. They want to work their way down the field. They're going to do most of their damage, in their opinion, with their running game, and they're just going to throw the ball when they need to to move the chains. Uh, they're not overly aggressive in the passing game, although they do they do dial up some shot plays from time to time. Um, you'll see shot plays out of three tight end sets, 13 personnel, um, way more than what you would normally think. Uh, a lot of unbalanced lines um, and just a lot of effort to throw some kind of unorthodox formations out there and confuse the defense and try to create some matchups in the middle of the field. Um, in a lot of ways, this offense reminds me of the offense that the Ravens ran uh, early on with Lamar Jackson. Um, they want to run the ball. They want to be physical. Uh, week one, they leaned a lot on Rex Burkhead. Last couple of weeks, they're slowly starting to get um, uh, Damian, Damian Pierce, Pierce on the field more and more. Yep. And he's starting to have more and more success. He is He's the bell cow. He's, he's going to be the guy I would expect starting this week to get even more carries, probably lead the way in touches. Uh, he went from, I think he averaged, I think he had, 29% of the snaps week one, and he's been up around 60% the last couple of weeks. So they're slow. They're working him more and more into the, into the game plan. So they want to run the ball downhill. They want to create confusion in the middle of the field with the passing game. Uh, Davis Mills is not somebody who's going to be going through three, four, five progressions as a quarterback. He is generally going to be, um, he's going to go one read and then dump the ball off if he doesn't throw the ball to his first read more often than not. Uh, they want to keep plays in front of him. And what I mean by that is they're typically throwing between the numbers and even more so often between the hash marks. He's not as accurate throwing the ball to the perimeter, particularly on outbreaking routes. The ball tends to sail when he tries to push the ball down the field. And we'll kind of cover all this here down in video here pretty soon. But um, the the gist of it is they want to get the ball in their tight ends hands in the middle of the field. They're going to set some rub routes and some picks and things like that to try to get Brandon cooks open in the middle of the field. They do not have a very dynamic wide receiver room. Um, they've got some guys who can run a little bit. They don't create a whole lot of separation versus man coverage. And Davis mills, in my opinion, struggles with zone coverage. So there are a lot of ways that you can attack these guys. <clears throat> so, I'm going to start here showing you the big thing. The, the big thing that I noticed is I talked about their desire to get the ball to um, to their tight ends. They really like to get the ball to their tight ends in the red zone in particular, basically from the 30-yard line in. They like to try to get the ball to their tight ends. So I'm going to queue up a couple of clips here. This And both of these are from week one, and they are both designed to get the ball to O.J. Howard, who was somebody that Garrett and I talked about the Charger signing in the offseason. Mm-hmm. This is these plays are designed to get the ball to Howard out of traditional running formations on seam routes and take shots in the red zone. So let's get this started here. Uh, all right. I'm going to rewind this. So what we see here is we have a two tight end set. 
one tight end on each side of the line with, with two receivers. O.J. Howard, actually, excuse me, it's a three tight end set. O.J. Howard is aligned over on the left side inside the setback, the tight end who's set back, I believe that's Brevin Jordan. And Jordan is going to kind of run a little wheel route up the sideline. They're going to send Howard on the seam up here, and everybody loses him because they're expecting a running play in the red zone. He's wide open. Mm -hmm. They run this versus cover three. There's nobody anywhere near him. Easy walk-in touchdown. And this is a recurring theme. They ran this same play twice in the red zone against the Colts week one. I'm going to queue up the other one. And this one is kind of flipped. This is actually, I believe this is 13 personnel, one receiver, one back, three tight ends. You've got a tight end on this end of the line. Howard, again, is in tight inside. I think this is Brevin Jordan over here. And they're going to... It's almost the exact same play. Jordan's going to run like a little wheel route up the sideline. And then they're going to send Howard straight up the seam for an easy six. Almost the exact same play. Nobody picks it up. Touchdown. So first couple weeks, uh, the, the Texans really relied a lot on Farrow Brown and Brevin Jordan. Last week, it was more Brown, Howard, and they got Jordan Atkins back, who also who had a touchdown last week in the red zone. So watch out for those passes to the tight ends in the red zone. It's a big part of their game, basically a staple of their, their red zone offense. And then <clears> – so I talked about the, per, the personnel groupings they like to use. This is a 21 – 21 alignment. We have a tight end on the end down here on the left, two backs, two wide receivers. They are going to run, I believe this is outside zone here. They're going to run to set up a play action pass a couple plays later. So I'm going to run this. Oh, this is the play action. Excuse me. So we'll run it again. So this is an example of Davis Mills missing a read. Because if you're looking here, he's only looking at the right side of the field. You've got Cooks running straight up the seam. And the cover three safety is biting on an underneath route. Little play action. So here you see the safety is biting down here. He's biting on this route down here. You've got Cooks coming over the top. But Mills doesn't see it because he's only looking at his primary read. And he's checking the ball down. And there's lots of examples of this with, with Mills where he is stuck on one receiver throughout the entire play. <clears throat> and he's missing opportunities for big plays with Cooks running free because he's got tunnel vision on his primary read on pretty much every pass play. Um, let's see here. Garrett, if you wouldn't mind uploading for me, I want to show everybody 
some ideas of how we can go about pressuring Davis Mills. So if we can upload the pressure packages that I sent you. Okay. Here's Please. the overload left side. So <clears throat> one way to go about pressuring Davis Mills is while their offensive line is playing pretty well, and I think overall their offensive line took a step forward when Scott Quesenberry started playing center in week two, um, they struggle with overloading one side of the line. In particular, if you can over, overload one side of the line and run either a stunt or have somebody take a hard inside angle on Kenyon Green, who's the left guard here, he struggles with inside spin moves. He struggles with hard inside counters. And there's a clear matchup here that I think you can create with Drew Tranquil, with Kyle Van, Van Noy, with uh, Derwin James, and even with uh, Khalil Mack if you want to kick him inside. So what we're going to look at here, <clears throat> first of all, look how, out, how far out wide the two edge players are here. They're both basically almost in the slot, lined up on slot receivers. So they're practically in a wide nine here which forces both tackles to, to commit outside and allows for inside counters. And what we are going to see here is they're going to send Barrett Browning through the A-gap. So we'll go ahead and start it. So you see the spin move by Barrett Browning. He's right in Davis Mills' face and Mills just throws the ball up for grabs because he doesn't want to get hit. So we'll go ahead and start that again. And you see here, they run a twist up front with the defensive tackle and the, the, um, the outside linebacker here, they cross to create some confusion. And while the offensive line has improved with Scott, Scott Quesenberry so far in the first couple of weeks, one area where they're struggling is in pass protection. Um, they're really good in the run game with Quesenberry, but they're having a hard time picking up blitzes and stunts and twists, and it's creating clear pass for the quarterback up the middle of the offensive line, which is something I think the Chargers can take advantage of. Here is the right side. Okay, and we'll look at this again. Similar play. We have, um, I believe this is Randy Gregory over here on the right-hand side. Chubb is on the, on the left side. Again, both out wide. And this is, this is designed to force the tackles to get out wide and give, give uh, inside counter opportunities to the, to the uh, edge players. So we're going to start it, and we're going to see both edge players take on the tackles one-on-one. -on -one. and they just beat them right around the edge. Gregory wins outside. Is that Gregory or is that Chubb? That might actually be Chubb. <clears throat> and the other thing to watch right here is they run a little stunt with uh, um, Draymond Jones, who is number 93, and I believe he is right here. He's gonna twist here with the, with the defensive tackle. Oh, no, he just wins to the inside. <laughs> and then there's one more pressure pressure pack or one more pressure package there that we will bring up. Uh, 
Is it the mic end? Yeah. Okay. All right. So here you see, again, they're overloading the left side. There's four defenders on this side. They're going to run a little stunt here where the, the tackle is going to cut inside and the mic is going to run through the B gap here. And it's going to help them get to the quarterback very quickly. Oh, wrong oh tackle. Man, that was a lane and a half. Yep. So the mic's going to cut across here through the A gap and they bring Draymond Jones. They loop him around underneath or over the top of the mic. Yeah. And look at how that the C's part there and they've got a clear path. Yep. So there are lots of ways to get to, to, uh, to Davis Mills, but in my opinion, the offensive line of the Texans really struggles with stunts and twists. They struggle, they struggle with A-gap blitzes and Kenyon Green. This was something that showed up in his college tape. He really, really struggles with blitzes. He doesn't pick them up quickly, and he has a hard time with inside counters and inside spin moves. So lots of ways to go about getting after Davis Mills. Uh, should be a good opportunity for the Chargers to generate some pressure and hopefully force some turnovers because I think if you can get to Mills early, he will throw the ball up for grabs late. Speaking of Mills, yeah, you kind of you, you want to talk about reading Mills' eyes here? Yeah, let's go ahead and cue some tape here. I've got some examples of defenses really just reading Mills' eyes. He is... Like I said earlier, he's very prone to stare down his first target. He's predetermining a lot of reads, and he is staring people down and throwing balls in the tight spot. So this is an example of reading his eyes in um, in the red zone. So he's going to take the shotgun snap, and we are going to watch the linebacker right here in the middle of the field as he watches Mills' eyes and undercuts a throw into a tight window that almost winds up in, a, in an interception. So he's going to drop back. He undercuts the slant. And it forces a bad throw. And an interception. So we'll go back and watch that again. So linebackers in the middle of the field. We are looking at, I believe it's the slot receiver right here, running a little slant. He's going to watch Mill's eyes. He's going to just drift underneath the slant tip the ball, and it winds up being an interception in the back of the end zone. Bad read, bad throw, bad result. And there are a lot of bad reads and bad throws on, on uh, Mills's game tape. They're not always turning into interceptions, but lots of opportunities. All right, let's cue this one up. Oops, that's the wrong one. There it is. I got it. Okay. So this is another example of just watching Davis Mills' eyes. This is against the Bears last week. So Mills is going to take the shot, the shot, the the snap under center, little play action. He is staring down his target the entire way. Now this winds up, I think, being a completion, but you can see the linebacker trying to cut under the pass and you can see the corners sitting on that side of the field winds up being an incompletion. Laramie Tunsil looked like he buried somebody there on the left side too. He's playing really well. I don't know if he's, if the, 
edge rusher slipped there, but. Hmm. And you see a lot of a lot of throws from Davis Mills that are short hopping receivers. They're behind receivers when he's throwing out outbreaking routes to the perimeter. They're over their heads. Just a lot of very bad passes from Davis Mills. I think he's barely completing 60% of his passes, if I'm not mistaken. Here's your third example. Here's another example, again against the Bears. And just watch Davis Mills' eyes. He's staring in this area right here. There's one, two, three, four defenders. Now, this pass winds up being completed, but you have a wheel route. I believe this is Jordan Akins right here on a wheel route up the sideline. Everybody's breaking on this in-breaking route. This is a walk-in touchdown. He winds up completing this pass, but I don't know. It's broken up. Show it one more time. Even that that uh, boundary corner there is watching Mills the whole way. He comes yep. off of coverage to try to break that up. Yep, they're all breaking on his eyes. So he is absolutely staring people down. Now, this re this receiver is, I mean, he's he's got some separation. He's more or less open. Mm -hmm. But it's a terrible throw into yeah, a tight almost, window, and you can see the safety. Killed. Yep, you can see Jackson breaking on it before the ball comes out of his hand, and he's, mm -hmm. he, he winds up throwing a hospital ball. So some good examples there. I think, like I said, there's going to be some opportunities for the Chargers defenders to get their hands on the football. I think Davis Mills is going to force some throws because he's been doing it for the last three weeks. Um, and it feels like a good opportunity for the Chargers defense to make some plays on some footballs. Yeah. You got any more tape you want to go on here? No, I think that's good. Okay. All right. So let's talk about uh, the result. So uh, talk to the little... Defense talked a little offense. Um, Jamie, you want to give us your uh, your prediction here on whether the Chargers get back on it or if they lose this one? What do you think? <clears throat> I think they're going to be pissed off, and I think they're going to be prepared. Um, and I think at the end of the day, the Houston Texans are just too conservative on offense, um, and I think there's going to be some turnovers for So I think the Chargers win. My guess is they run the ball probably more than a lot of people would like. Mm. I think they're going to try to establish the run early and wear the Texans down also to protect Justin Herbert. I don't uh, blame and him. Get, and no, not at all. <laughs> this is the week to do it. <laughs> I think they're going to try to get Eckler really involved in the running game and get him into a rhythm early. So mm. I have a feeling this is going to be a lower scoring game. I don't think the Chargers are going to put up a ton of points, and I think it's going to be by design. So I will say the Chargers win. I'm going to say they win – 20 to 13. I had it 24, 13. And I think the chargers win this one. And I think they write the ship. I know uh, last year we had talked about when COVID ran through the Texans and they just lost a really bad game last year that we were saying the same things, but I just don't, I don't see the chargers losing this one. I know it was a must win last year, but this feels like a must win game as close to a must win game can get in week four. Uh, the Chargers, I mean, they're, Davis Mills is really struggling. Uh, Davis Mills was pretty hot going into that game last year. 
Um, I know Damian Pierce uh, is kind of coming on a little bit more, and I think he ends up getting a rushing touchdown this week. But I do think they uh, get Eckler involved a lot. I think just the overwhelming uh, narrative going around about not feeding Eckler the ball enough and him not being successful, and I think they're going to showcase him this week. And, and I Eckler think, being washed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that. All that talk. I think this week answers your question. I think they put him out there and they run it through him. Uh, one, like Jamie mentioned, because uh, uh, Herbert's ribs, you can give him uh, a little break. This re- run defense is terrible. Like the clip I showed earlier, you can run four straight. You can get four straight first downs like the Colts did on four straight running plays. If you're moving the ball on the ground like that, what's the point of even throwing the ball and putting uh, Herbert at risk with a, edge, a couple edge defenders that can get after the quarterback. So it's not an anemic defense. It's not like they don't, they can't get sacks. They're pretty disciplined. Um, they're pretty tight on the back end, but you can really run through the middle of that defensive line and, and second level. They don't have a lot of guys. So I think it's a low scoring game as well. I think they run the ball a lot and I think it's 24, 13. I think we agree there. Um, one question before we get off here, Jamie, do you think, this is the week that Spiller has his debut with as much as we think they're going to be running the ball. No, <clears throat> I don't. Based on the information that your guy told us that he's not ready to be on the field. So mm-hmm. I don't think this is the week. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think this is it either. I think that comes later, but, um, and I think with all the other injuries going on, I think they're going to have to take, and make some other guys active. I, did they have Easton Stick active last week? I, I forgot to check. I believe he was, yeah. Yeah. So if they have to do something like that again, even though you know Herbert's throwing and he feels okay or whatever, they're going to have to have some other guys on the field. They're going to have to get some depth in there at a lot of other d- different positions. So I don't think they're going to have four running backs active on Sunday. Okay. All right. Um, do we think Corey Lindsley will be back? It sounds like it. Yeah, I uh, we can we can say now that uh, J.C. Jackson, Keenan Allen uh, will be playing this Sunday, barring any setbacks. We know that information. Uh, if they're gonna, they're both gonna push it really, really hard this week to get back to playing this weekend. There, I think both of them are ready, and uh, I think they're gonna end up playing this week if there's no you know injury that happens or they any setbacks that happen during this week. I think that you can count on those two. Did you want to address the uh, Staley lost the locker room talk while we're here? Uh, yeah. Why don't you? Yeah. Why don't Why don't you? I I just dropped a little something. Why don't you share with the audience the information we got <coughs> on Staley losing the locker room? So lots of talk this week about Staley losing the locker room, about the quote unquote players only meeting after the game last week, and how quickly everybody cleared out. Um. We can tell you, based on the information that we got this week, that Staley has not locked, lost the locker room. That, in fact, our contact was pissed mm-hmm. when that was even brought up by Garrett to you know <laughs> inquiring about whether or not that was true. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even said that the the players only lock, locker room meeting wasn't in fact a players only locker room meeting. They met with Staley immediately after the game, and he basically said, "Hey, I've been screaming at you guys all day. Captains, get with your guys." Uh, figure it out because we have a lot mm-hmm. to fix this week. And he left mm-hmm. and he let the captains deal with it. Yeah. So that that players only meeting was was held basically at his behest after he met with them. 
he has not lost the locker room. None of that is true. No. So we can just put that to bed. Yeah, the the player only uh, meeting has been the a big sticking point. But uh, really, what he wanted to do is get his message through a different filter. He's yelling at him all game. Nothing's working. Uh, what's the point of yelling at him more after getting blown out? Let the captains deal with it. Let the, let men go man to man. Let those uh, captains do what they were designated to do, and that's to rally the troops. And so they needed to. And then Staley knew that he was going to be uh, yelling at them during film study uh, this week when they reviewed that game. So uh, it to me, it seems uh, a pretty smart idea to kind of get your message through a different arena. If you're screaming and nobody's listening and nothing's happening, then it makes a ton of sense. What? Sorry. Quirk just said that Keenan Allen just left practice with a trainer, according to Jeff Miller. Well, that would be the setback that we were talking about today. So that's uh, not good. And (laughs) 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 if you heard us basically say he's going to be back this week, well, uh, that was barring any setbacks. And that would be a setback if he had to leave practice with a trainer. So that's not good news, but uh, JC Jackson hopefully did not, and maybe he'll play this week. But anyway, um, thanks, Quirk, for the update while we're streaming this live. Um, so, yeah, so again, the players only meeting, that's that's an idea from Staley, uh, just trying to get his message across through his players. And, you know, I, I think it was a, a pretty good, uh, uh, a smart thing to do. That's, what, that's definitely what I would have done if I were in that same situation. I, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. Give give the give the veteran leaders, the captains, a chance to to get their message across for you, and then reinforce that message when you sit down and watch watch <laughs> film on Tuesday. Yeah, just show them hard evidence of why <laughs> <laughs> he was yelling at him on Sunday. All right, well, uh, I think we're good here. Uh, Jamie and I have them beating the uh, Chargers. Jamie's got or beating the Texans. Excuse me. Jamie's got twenty thirteen. I've got twenty four thirteen. Chargers get back to 500. Let's hope so. And we will see you after the game for after hours sometime. Uh, we'll let you know during the week. And thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.